Oh, for those of us who are thinking back on our own mothers and the, the role they played in our lives, you kind of remember some of the silly things you did, some of the, the ways you might have acted to your mom, and the way they kind of gracefully responded to that. I want to show a video of something that I just think back, when I was a little kid, did I do this to my mom? And I'm pretty sure I probably did, and I just couldn't imagine the smirk she had in her face while I tried it. So let's, let's watch a quick video. Wait, let me see it again. You didn't do that? Who did it? Her sister. My sister. Aaliyah? Aaliyah did that on your hand? When? Right now. Right now? Uh -huh. Nani, are you lying? Do you want to go on timeout? No. Nani, we don't lie. Lying is not okay. I know that she did that and you did a very good smiley face, but you're not supposed to draw on yourself. Get paper. This is what I did. Huh? Huh? I didn't tell you. Speak up. Uh, I didn't do this. You still didn't do this? I know you did it. Nani? I'm not lying. Nani, just tell the truth. Telling the truth is better than lying. You know why? Why? Because liars, they get in big trouble later down the road. People who tell the truth and don't lie have a better chance in life. We don't lie. We be honest, okay? Okay. Ew, you just fart. You're not even listening to me. And you just look at that face, like kind of looking up, and, and you can just see right through it, right? The, and, I, and I think about... Uh, Myself as a father, and, I, and I've seen that in your kids sometimes. I was Googling, because so I'm preaching on honesty today, I was Googling through some more YouTube videos. It's hilarious to see what kids try to do. There's one who's like, Mommy, can I wash my hands? And she's like, why? She's like, my hands are sticky. Why? Did you eat cake? And she's like, no. And her face is just covered in cake, right? And you just realize, I try to things that you try to pull past uh, your parents. And, and when you actually start to study and, and look into the psychology of lying and children, there's kind of stages that people walk through. At first with toddlers, they're, they're, they're kind of their first fibs. They, they are usually self-serving. They're usually very simple, very easy to catch, kind of like what we just saw. When they get to preschool, these little small people start, it's more about like telling tall tales. Maybe it's about their, their invisible friends, and it's kind of these, these bigger pictures. By the time they become school kids, now they've got their reasons, right? And sometimes their reasons might be almost altruistic. They might, they might want, want to hurt someone's feelings. They might want to benefit someone else. They, they might be white lies or, or lies by omission. Uh, they might be lies just to kind of, you know, protect others. By the time... We're tweens, however. The lying has now kind of stepped up to a place where uh, I read one account where one mother had asked their, their son to, to mark down when they did their homework and, and then basically gave them, okay, now you can take care of this. I trust you. And then kept telling her, oh, yeah, I did my homework and I did fill out the sheet. And then a month later, she's like, he's been lying to me for a month. It's interesting how this whole aspect of a lack of truth telling kind of grows as we get older. 
There's a recent survey of, of 9,000 high school students, and 92% of them said they had lied to their parents during the past 12 months. 80%, 79% of them said that they had lied more than once in, those past, in that past year. 78% said they lied to a teacher, and 71% that said they had cheated on a test. What's really interesting about this, though, is in the same survey, 71% of these students said it's very desirable to live a life with a high degree of integrity. That's not interesting. You have over 90% lying, but then 80 or almost 80% of them saying, but it's really important to have integrity. What is the disconnect? Something's not adding up here. And what I would say is as a culture, we value honesty, but we practice duplicity. And so we're going to walk with Jesus and talk about honesty and faithfulness in his life and how this is supposed to kind of reflect in our own lives. I mean, let's be honest. How many of us, when God looks down at us, I might look a little bit like that little kid. He's just like, what are you doing? God sees through our lives, and he's calling us to reflect his truth. So radical honesty, if it becomes part of our character, it starts to become integrity, and it becomes faithfulness as we live this out in real time in our lives. And we look to Jesus, we realize that he wasn't just about honesty. He had a radical sense of honesty. In Matthew 5, we read this, in verse 33. Again, you have heard it, that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you can't even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Those of us who might know the phraseology maybe in the, the KJV version, a little more like this, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. Very simple, radical honesty. It's about being known for telling truth. He's saying the follower of Jesus should not even need to say, I swear to God. You hear them, I swear to God. Because you're already known for being truthful. Truth telling is something that, that's part of naturally occurring in your heart. And we know that our society and people do value truth telling. Now, I imagine a number of you right now are kind of going through the same thing I think of when the topic of lying or truth-telling comes up. Actually, it comes up in my philosophy class a lot. And it's this question of, don't we have to lie sometimes? Isn't it sometimes necessary to lie? There's a classic uh, cartoon here of, this is actually um, Corey Tambone and, and the hiding space. And this is a, a time when, so her and her family are hiding Jewish individuals from the Nazi regime. And they had this secret space called The Hiding Place. It's, a, it's a, an excellent book if you ever read it. Late one night, I heard our Jewish friends rushing into the secret room. But this time, it wasn't a drill. 
Where are you hiding the Jews? Where is your secret room? Talk. And they're striking her. And the question is, if you were in a situation where a Nazi came to your door, knocked on the door and said, do you have any Jewish people inside here? Do you lie and say no? And they die? Or do you tell the truth and they die? If you say no, you might save them. Now, Christians usually come down to two sides in this classic ethical dilemma. One is that you never, ever, ever lie. It's also known as non-conflicting absolutism. The idea here is there's no actual conflict. Actually, Corey Tenboon's sister, earlier in the story, is confronted and asked to, 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 to tell if she has Jewish people. And she says, oh, yeah, yeah, they're behind the piano. And then Nazi's like, shut up, stop being a smart aleck. And they leave. But they really were behind the wall, behind the piano. And so that's the point. I was like, look at you don't actually, you, you wouldn't have to lie to defend. Look, at, look what happened. Now, Corey herself lies to protect the Jewish people. And there's a, a question about this. In Scripture, we actually find times where it, it seems like lying to preserve a life actually happens. For example, Rahab lies in order to save the Israelite spies. Or you have, in Scripture, the, the midwives lie in order to preserve the life of Moses. Or you have Samuel saying, oh, uh, Saul, I'm just going to have a sacrifice. But really, he's going to anoint a new king of Israel. And each of these people are declared in the book of Hebrews to be heroes of the faith. And so you start to wonder, and some Christian ethicists will argue, you know what, there's going to be times when maybe you won't speak the whole truth. It might be the right thing to do, to, to lie to the Nazi. And this is a theory called graded absolutism. The idea here is there's sometimes when you have two absolutes <clears throat> that are in conflict, conflict, conflicting with each other. I have the duty to preserve life, and I have the duty to tell the truth, but oh no, I'm in a messed up world of sin, and now what am I going to do? Now, The idea becomes that you may have to pick one over the other. You might have to say, you know what, I'm going to preserve a life. I don't want to go too deep in this topic. I'm not going to uh, spend a lot of time. This, this is a, a big ethical question. And I, I just want to say this. Even if you do think it's the right thing to do to lie to the Nazi in the case, we have to be very careful not to then water down our commitment to truth. It feels sometimes like you open up a door, oh, sometimes maybe, maybe you need to think, and then all of a sudden it's like human nature just has lying sometimes, and let's just be okay with that, and, and it just starts to water it down. And then in your own life, you start to let yourself lie in any kind of case that helps protect you or what you want. Let's be really honest, okay? You are probably not, I pray not, ever in your lifetime going to have to hide the Jewish people, from the Nazis. If you do, I believe 
pray with God, trust God. He, he's going to give you grace in whatever, however you go with that difficult dilemma. But let's not use that to pretend that we don't have to be a people who are known for our honesty. That we are called to a radical truth-telling. This is the way of Jesus. It says in Colossians 3.9, Do not lie to one another. Since you put off the old man with his deeds. Do not lie. Because lying, it waters down our character. It makes people not trust us. It does not reflect Jesus. In fact, if we start to look into the life of Jesus, you start to realize that this is a person who made people uncomfortable with his honesty. He was uncomfortably honest. Do you know those people in your life? I might be married to one. Just says it as it is. This is the the reality. Jesus spoke radical honesty into people's lives. For example, uh, he wanted, obviously, people to understand who he was, and people were following him, but he said things like this. In this world, you're going to have trouble. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Not the best way to get new followers. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Hey guys, come follow me to the execution squad. Whoa. That's a radical honesty he's calling people. He's not pretending. He's not one of these kind of televangelists going, follow me and you will get a new car. Follow me and you'll never have any problems in your life. That's not Jesus. Jesus honestly, follow me and you might get some more trouble in your life. Many of the disciples end up hearing this stuff and it, it scares them. In fact, in, in John 6, we read this. Many of the, of the disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And they walked away. Jesus was so honest about his path that people stopped following him. In his conversations with people, Jesus would push out the bad philosophy they were following or the the self-deception. He didn't mince words. He didn't let people lie to him. The Samaritan woman tells him, oh, I'm not married. He says, yeah, yeah, no, I know. You had several husbands and the person you're with now is not your husband. Not in condemnation, but saying to us, I want an honest relationship with you. I know you. Be honest with me. Nicodemus was a, was a religious teacher, and Jesus wasn't afraid to say the honest thing to him. Oh, no, this nation is in trouble. If you're one of the religious teachers and you cannot understand the simple truth that you need to be born again of the Spirit, to the tax collector, he said, you are stealing from people. Stop it. To the Pharisees, he actually said, vipers. He called them out on the bigotry and the hypocrisy. Even the disciples sometimes, I love it when you read the disciples and, and sometimes Jesus is like, it's basically uh, my paraphrase is, why are you so stupid? Like, he's just like, what? Peter gets called out for lying but saying that he would never deny him which we talked about last week. To the Syrophoenician woman, he says, 
I'm not here for you guys. I'm, I'm here for the people of Israel. To God himself, he says, why have you forsaken me? This is a radical honesty. This is Jesus, a life lived in truth. Now, telling the truth itself is not enough. We need to start to reflect this truth by actually living it out in our lives. We call this faithfulness. We see this in um, a, a quote from Newman Smith. The position of a mirror in the light and its angle towards the object to be seen in it as, is as important as the clearness. So yeah, you need a clean mirror, but you also need a mirror that's properly angled to reflect the light. We cannot hope to gain true representations if we persist in holding ourselves at a wrong personal anger towards the truth. So if we're not, we're not, if we're not at the right angle to Jesus, if we're not at the right angle to God, we will not reflect his truth. But Jesus always kept himself in a relation so true to people that in his thoughts and his judgments, all objects represented in their simple reality. His words are not only clear and honest, they correspond to the truth of things. We are called to reflect Jesus at the right angle. It's not just whether or not our words are true. It's, it's is our character true? The person who, who holds uh, uh, the words in their hearts up to the light and says, is this true? Am I, am I being true? Are we being true to God? Are we being true to ourselves? Are we being true to others? And Jesus insisted that we look into the moral core of our being and start to become true in the deep recesses of our heart. Real righteousness, real justice, real love. Not a show, not a mask. Jesus calls us to be faithful to God as he is. Now this actually, if the church was able to, to demonstrate this, this would be something that our culture would be attracted to. There's a value to honesty. There's actually been a study in Reader's Digest recently um, where they left uh, 192 wallets on the ground in cities. And I just want to see what the response rate would be. Who, how many of these would be given back? So within this wallet, they'd have something equivalent to the $50 There'd be a phone number there, an address. And the, and the question was, how many of these wallets would be returned? Overall, across the world, 47% of the wallets were returned. I was like, oh, that's actually not too bad. Helsinki, all the Finns out there, you got number one, 11 out of 12 wallets returned. Mumbai, India, 9 out of 12 wallets returned. Actually, New York City, you might think, oh, I don't know about New York, sketchy. No, actually, 8 out of the 12 wallets are returned. I won't go through the whole list, but on the lower end, you have um, in Portugal and Lisbon, one out of 12 wallets were returned. And I started thinking about this. Why did they even do this study? Because honesty matters to people. There's something important. In fact, when they do this study with kids, kids almost always return the wallet right away. They pick it up and they... There's just something natural. We understand that there should be this truthfulness in our lives. And yet somehow, we start to breed culturally into people the deception that we find 
as we grow older. I think we're born with an innate sense of, of realizing our language and our actions need to correspond with truth, and then slowly we let go of it. And let's be honest, the church and our, our Christian doctrine doesn't have much influence in the world today. And the reason is, almost universally, if you ask someone, hey, what do you think about church? They'll say this, I don't like the hypocrites. It's full of hypocrisy. They say one thing, but their lives look a lot different. The televangelists, with all their, are they just stealing from people? Right? This, is, this is how the culture, they, it's not that they don't like honesty, it's that they don't think that we are being honest. I want to say this on the flip side, though. Maybe Christianity, as it's seen, is seen as hypocritical, but real Christianity, I believe, is valued more than ever. Maybe not by that name, but if you're in your workplace and you are honest, people value that. If you're a person who they can go to and tell a secret to and it doesn't spread throughout the office, people love that. People are searching for that. They want that. They thrive in an environment where there's someone that they believe is honest. If we truly live out God in our speech and in our actions, people remember that. People honor that. People are thirsting for that. We need to be more trustworthy if we want people to really take a look at Jesus. I believe we preach Jesus with our, with our conduct, with our honesty, with our faithfulness in, in the regular spread of life. Now, I want to point this out. Being honest is, is a start. It's not the end. You could be an honest person but be really mistaken. Right, like, just be, so, oh, I like them. They're so honest. Maybe they're really honest, but they're jerks. Or they're honest about things. Like, you're like, okay, I, I'm happy you're honest, but I have concerns. You know what? It's great if you could stand up, be honest, and admit, I am a racist. That's a, that's a good start. It, it's not great that you're a racist. And this is the difficulty that we work through. You know, uh, hey, I'm a serial killer. Okay, thanks for being honest. We're going to have to stop that. We're not just called to, to being honest. We're called to living honestly. Living a life that reflects the truth of which we speak. And so I want to point out, I believe there's, there's three ways or, or three subjects or three objects to which we need to be honest. The first is God is calling us to honesty with him, with God. Why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus at his most honest. Like, God, it feels like you're not with me. Have you been honest with God? Like, really honest. If you're like me, you know, sometimes I wonder, do, do I actually tell God that I, I want to do the thing that I know I shouldn't do? Or do I just not talk about it? You know what I'm saying? When you're like, God, you know what? I'm really tempted towards this. Do we ever say, do you say that to him? Or do we just have that temptation and try to deal with it on our own and hold on to it? Let's be honest with God. He sees it. He knows it. 
He wants an honest heart. It's easy to kind of go to God with, here's the things I want on my list. Here's the people I want to care about. It's less easy to tell them what's really tempting us. Hey, God, this is, this is the thing I'm, I'm struggling with. This is the reality. And what happens is we, we end up not telling them about our addictions or our predilections or certain things. And if we're not honest, it will end up looking back a decade later and going like, have I been doing that for a decade? And that brings to our second person we need to be honest with. We need to be honest with ourselves. The the real deep parts of our heart. Instead of pretending they're not there, do we actually know ourselves? Those patterns we have, you kind of it's easy just to ignore them, isn't it? You kind of go through them and pretend they didn't happen or just excuse them or what am I hiding from myself? And I got to say, here in like Oakville, Burlington, Halton, Hamilton region, it can become really easy to lie to ourselves about how we feel, even about ourselves. I have a, I have a car, I have a house, I have a family, I have a job. I'm doing good. Are you? And that place in your heart, do you admit to yourself when maybe there's depression? When there's hurt, when there's bitterness. Are we honest with ourselves? Darren, I was talking with him this week and about this, and I, he said, like, you know, sometimes even like writing your journal, where you should be your most honest, sometimes even that, you're like, are you really quite as honest as you want to be? Because maybe someone's gonna read it. It is really difficult to be honest with ourselves. And I think we need to ask God to give us a spirit. Because if we just try to be honest with ourselves, we're going to trick ourselves. We, we, the human heart is deceitful beyond all measure. But if we ask the spirit, spirit, reveal to me the places where I'm lying to myself. Allow the spirit of God to start to show these to us. It starts to open up places that are causing devastation in our lives. We don't even sometimes recognize it. And as he opens those things up and we offer them to God, there's freedom. And finally, we are called to honesty with other people. Who do I hide my true self from? First of all, how about family and friends? Do you go to those people that will be there for you? That will walk with you through that struggle. Or do you, you keep it to yourself because you're ashamed, you're embarrassed, you don't want them to know? Imagine if we were a people who were radically honest, confessing to others that we trusted what that would look like. Or maybe uh, we're, we need to learn to be more honest even publicly. But what about Facebook? Like how honest are we on Facebook? I could just look like, oh, Everything's happy. I'm smiles with my kids all the time. I never yell at my kids. It's so easy to put a, a facade out there. And now I'm not saying, obviously, oversharing is its own deal. But my point is, have we become to the place where we think of ourselves as this public mask and we show others something that's a facade and it's not real? 
and we will never be able to become those people of integrity and honesty that others see Jesus reflecting off of because we're not willing to be honest. So I just want to talk about this. I'm going to, I'm going to admit something to you guys for myself. When I think about being honest, um, one of the hardest things for me is to tell people honestly what I think. You know what I mean? If, if you see someone and, and you can see some things in their lives and you, and you, and you, and you love them and, and you're like, oh, I'm a little bit worried about that. It's so easy to go, ah, I don't want to talk about it. We, we so often hide our true thoughts from people. We don't speak up and it actually hurts people. Is there something you know you should say to someone but you haven't said it? That's dishonest. And, and it's hard, but it's necessary. There, there might be someone in your life, and it's happened to me where I just wish I had spoken up. I, I saw some things going on. Started to wonder, got worried. Are they drinking too much? But oh, I'm not around that much. Do I have the right to say this to them? And, and then a, a year or two goes on, and all of a sudden they're at rock bottom, and you think to yourself, oh, I wish I had just been honest. That's Jesus-like honesty, right? The honesty that is able to speak the hard truths in love, in hope, and with an intent to help build up. That's Jesus-like honesty. That's what he's calling us to. Not keeping a fake peace. Honesty is, is the mirror image of faithfulness. I believe honesty is telling truth with our words, Faithfulness is living truth in our lives. And they're connected. We're called to be faithful to our words. And if we, as the church, could get that right, how much more would Jesus shine? If the word hypocrisy was not a synonym with Christianity for people, how much more would people seek out the truth that Jesus has? Your yes is yes, and your no is no. So as we look at Mother's Day, you know what? I started to realize the best mothers are the ones who are, who are honest with themselves. That can recognize my children are not perfect. Megan was telling me the other day she was in a, uh, in a lineup at the grocery store, and some kid just came up and like kicked her in the shin. Pow! And she, ah, oh, and then look at the kid. And, eh. and then look at the mom. And the mom was not really... You know, they're like, hey, like kind of, oh, kids, are, kids will be kids kind of attitude, right? It's like, no, kids will be jerks. <laughs> so this is this reality of, are we honest with, about our own children, what they're, what they're capable of? Are they honest with themselves? Like, I am not a perfect parent. Like, I am probably going to mess up my kids in some way. I probably already did. And then recognizing in that, that God still works with me. My parents weren't perfect. In this mess, I can help raise children to do the right thing, to be the type of people who make truth their anchor. I, I do believe that's the way God looks down on us as his children. Whatever stage of life we're in, whatever our situation with our families. And I think sometimes you just can't help but laugh. Like, like oh, there, look at that. That's, can you believe that? 
as, as things start to crumble around us and, and we're still putting on our facade. No. And he, he looks down, he, our heavenly parent just laughs. He's patient with us. How much better is it to live a life of honesty? It says in, in Proverbs 12, 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are truthful. Let us be people who are truthful. That people can trust. The father of lies, he, he loves it when we turn to falsification and deception, even in, in the, the name of doing something good for someone. The world loves to point out our hypocrisy, but when we stand up, to be like Jesus with this radical honesty, then we stand out for being like Jesus. When we live this life of, of a quiet dishonesty to God, to ourselves, to other people, damage occurs. People are hurt. Ourselves are hurt. But when we start to open up and we start, when we start to have actual honesty in our lives, not, not pretending, we can look in a mirror, we can, we can feel a, a sense of contentment with who we are, like, you know what? I'm not a lie. I, I'm not living a lie. There's something powerful that comes to our hearts, a peace, a confidence, and the power of the grace of God to forgive us, and then to empower us to actually reflect Jesus. As it starts to characterize our, our interactions, honesty, other people start to, to, to look at us and, and come to us for advice. And this radical honesty, this radical faithfulness shines strongly. And you know what? Our society looks at that, and they respect that, and they want that. There's no easy fixes. It's a life that constantly comes back to Christ and lays down before him. Honestly, our hurts, our sins, our brokenness receives the transformative grace of God and is able to actually live out good news in front of people. As we reflect this truth in our lives, it shows a different way. It attracts people. We show a strength of character that's not afraid of the truth, not afraid of what people think. And in the long run, we become known as honest folk. Imagine people thought, oh, those forestry folk, they're honest folk. They're trustworthy people. You can have confidence in them. As we start to do that, we begin to reflect the perfection of Jesus. As we come to the table today, this is a place of honesty place where we come before God and we lay down truthfully what's in our hearts. I just ask you to take a moment today. Confess. Give to him those places where you've been dishonest with other people, with yourself, with him. And recognize Jesus Christ, it says in the scriptures, is the truth. He also says, this is my body. He is the truth in physical form. And he broke it and he gives it to us. And he says, listen, receive my truth. And as you ingest it, allow it to transform you and empower you to go out and live an honest life. And then take the cup and recognize that as honest as you are, you are a broken, 
person in need of forgiveness. Give to him all the lies you've been telling yourselves and others and put it before him and allow him to take it and wash it clean. That's the good news. There's no need for guilt in our lives. Guilt is, condemnation is removed. We are freed and empowered by the grace, the forgiveness of Jesus. And as we walk that life in the power of Christ's presence, we begin to actually reflect Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus, for his blunt honesty, his willingness to cut through the facades and speak truth into our stable of lies. I pray that you would forgive us, and we know you do. We also pray that you would relieve us, allow us, Lord God, to begin to live authentic lives, honest lives, to speak truth into people's lives, to speak truth about ourselves, no longer caught up in presentations and trying to fool the world and thinking that we're all that, recognizing that you are everything. And you offer us grace and salvation and forgiveness. Let us receive that. And in that, let's go out and not just say what Jesus said, but live what Jesus lived in his power and in his name. Amen.